Cheers! Start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits radio program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk over everything racing. Joining me in the studio, Mr. Gray Warren, Mr. Seth Eggert, Mr. Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing? Very good, thank you. Terrific. Man, great to talk to you all. So uh, this is one of our favorite weekends of the year has just passed, uh, and I guess this is what they call the the hangover week or the letdown week or, uh, you know, whatever you choose to call it. But but we're up and racing again next week in uh, nearly all the series. So, But uh, let's real quick bang out the headlines. The Indy 500, Simon Pagenaud, a guy who was uh, considered to be on the hot seat at Penske just like five weeks ago, um, has uh, solidified his place within that team by taking a clean sweep of the month of May, winning the, the Grand Prix, the pole, and the race, and vaulting himself into the lead in the point standings in the process um, for Team Penske. Yeah, um, he's, he's really, you know, solidified his place at Penske for for for, uh, for now and, and, and the and the future. Certainly, <laughs> sir. Really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like Roger, Roger loves the 500 winners. He likes them baby Borgs on his desk. So exactly da- right. Yeah. Down south, the Martin Truex Jr. continues to be the king of the 1.5 mile ovals, taking a win in the Coca-Cola 6 600, and. Mercedes wins again in Formula One over Monaco. Uh, Lewis Hamilton just a uh, dominating performance, uh, <laughs> start to finish, led from pole, led every lap. So uh, let's start with Indy. Um, it was a it was a heck of a race. I mean, it really was. They uh, uh, those last couple laps after the red flag. Uh, and the laps leading up to it, um, I mean, Rossi was on fire. Uh, Simon was, was holding him off, alternately not holding him off. Sato was right there in the mix. Newgarden was in the mix for a while. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of really good racing, Dyson and uh, Slicen and Dyson. Um, and uh, then the, the red flag, you know, for the incident on the backstretch, um, they had to had to take a red to do some repairs to the safer barrier. That the initial incident between Graham Rahal and uh, Sebastian Bourdais. Rahal quite unhappy, but it took out a few other cars in the way. Uh, took out a, a, a few other cars in their wake. I'm sorry. I just I just get excited when I'm talking about Indies. Don't mind me. Um, you know, Rosenqvist was involved. Um, who else was involved there, Seth? I'm just it's just. In addition to Rosenquist, you had Zach Veach. Veach. And, Veach took a hard hit. Uh, Dixon, who I was going to say Dixon accidentally turned Rosenquist. That's what set off the second half of that wreck. Dixon right. got through with minor damage. And uh, Marcus Erickson. Erickson, yeah. Erickson, Erickson tagged the wall nose first. And, yeah. uh, he, he's the guy that, that popped a hole in the safer barrier. So, and, and, and then at the same time, we had an incident in the pits. We had a lot of really sloppy pit work today. I mean, a lot of incidents in the pits, more than we're, we're used to seeing with these guys. Um, so, but then the bigger story of, of the week coming out of it is the after the cleanup, they rolled off, I believe, eight laps of yellow before going to green. And, and it almost looked like amateur hour from race control trying to figure out who should be lined up where. And as I researched this thing a little farther, um, I'm sure your conspiracy theorists say and this was done to make sure Simon wouldn't run out of fuel because uh, the, the Chevy is a little thirstier than the Honda. I, I don't believe any of that. 
but I do believe that the real reason for that was they are allowed to move the lap cars to the end of the line if there's less than 15 laps remaining in the race. So they rolled off a couple laps to get to that point, and then they had took another few laps to figure out who was supposed to be where. So it did it did kind of upset if people look like amateur hour. But from, from there, uh, the last couple of laps were dramatic. Rossi just could not um, make a pass and make it stick, and Simon brought it home. So uh, uh, great job overall to the Pensy organization. Fantastic month of May right there. Now, Richard, you had a chance to watch some of the, those uh, funky funkiness in the pits? Yeah, that, as you say, sort of the... The phrase uh, amateur hour just sort of spring to mind. There was, um, was it James Davison, uh, Jordan King, uh, Will Power. Didn't Castroneves get a penalty as well or tangle with – he tangled with um, Davison, didn't they? Yeah, Castroneves um, did. Yeah, Will, yeah, Will, really. Will tapped uh, one of his pit guys. Um, the funniest yep. thing was Will afterwards was furious because he says somebody on his team told him – that, that he didn't deserve the penalty, he didn't hit anybody. So the first, no, he people, did. the first people Will talks to is the media, and he just he just lets race control have it. A little later, yeah. he goes to race control. They show him the video, and then he yeah. says says to the race control guys, he goes, you know, I may have said something to the media. Uh, I apologize about that. And then he ran out the door. Uh, but he yeah. did. He did retract. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? He did retract his statement and, and say that yes, he definitely the penalty was uh, was deserved. So, but um, he wasn't flipping off the camera on this time, though. No, 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 no. No, he's refrained from that. Okay, good. Still, good, still good. recovered for what? What fourth? He had a solid finish, didn't he? I mean, fourth or fifth? At the end yeah. of the day, he, you know, he's got that trophy, and he's got to be looking at the championships now as well. You know, obviously extra. Um, you know. 500 wins are nice, but in reality, it's the championships. He's he's, he's got that monkey off his back last year, and uh, you know he, I'm sure his championships are there. If you ask him, does he want three more championships or three more 500 wins? He probably take three more championships, wouldn't he? Uh Will probably would. Yeah, other guys would take yeah. the 500 wins. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Like they've asked there was one. they've asked Elio if he would trade um, his one of his three 500 wins for a championship. He's always had a tough time answering that. You know, because so much. Yeah, more. I understand that. I do understand that to a certain extent. But um, one thing I did notice in those last four or five laps, when uh, Rossi and um, Pagano were were sort of going uh, going at each other and you know trading places on a quite a regular basis, I did notice. I don't know if it's handling of the car or the setup on the car, but Pagano had the ability in those last couple of laps when he kept Rossi behind him as he was exiting turns two and turn four to go onto the long front and back stretch, he could make a far more aggressive turn to the inside of the track. And Rossi couldn't keep that. Rossi couldn't turn as tight, so he couldn't get the toe. And when it was the other way around, again, Rossi couldn't turn as tight and, and Pagina could. So Pagina could keep that toe from right on the corner exit. And that was quite interesting to sort of, you know, you, you don't often think about these little subtleties of, of oval racing. Um, but, you know, you could certainly, if you get a chance to look at some of the highlights in the last four or five laps of the race and some of the, the head-on shots as they come off turn two and off turn four, it's really, really noticeable. Yes, yes, it is, yeah, but I don't think Simon was to be denied that day. He, he had, a, had, no. a be, had a better car. Um, I assume there is that question of had they not rolled the extra yellow laps off if he yeah. would have made it on fuel. Uh, but the world will never know, will they? I want to talk no. for a moment about um, somebody who was very impressive. Uh, we had, a, you know, we had a couple guys that, that really were let down. Um, Colton Herta's day ended early uh, with mechanical. Uh, Kyle Kaiser, uh, first guy to hit the wall. Marco Andretti issues with the car all day long. He was almost like a moving chicane out there. But the guy that really impressed me. Uh, is also just been named the Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year, Santino Ferrucci. Now, here's a guy that was kicked out of Formula Two um, <laughs> in, 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 a, in a very, uh, you know, odd, in a disgraceful situation. Really, I mean, this guy's racing career could have ended right then and there because we had, you know, missed sponsor payments. We had him make contact with his teammates allegations that racial slurs were used against his teammate. Uh, none of those none of those have been proven or have been able to be proven. But the kids come into IndyCar, and he's come in with a great mindset. As a matter of fact, I had a chance to speak with him on Thursday, 
and the kid seems well grounded, willing to learn, humble, and you know, not the not the he's not the punk people make him out to be, or or he's not anymore. Certainly, I didn't know him in his Formula Two days, but uh, uh, seventh place, you know, he he started, you know. Mired in the back of the field, worked his way up into the top ten. He dodged that accident uh, by by uh, doing a little landscape and running through the grass. Uh, kept the car, you know, kept the car in one piece and and recovered for a fine finish. So, uh, Gray, did you get a chance to watch Santino any during the race there? Yeah, um, I, w- I watched the whole race. Uh, you know, I tell you what. Um... <laughs> The kid still got a lot. I mean, you know, he came in with a lot of fanfare, you know, and he tried to make the, the, the you know, Formula One thing, you know. I think what he was mentioned, he was going to do some do some work with with the Haas F1 team and all that. I, you know, he had, a, he had a good Indy 500 week for the most part, but I think still he's got a lot of seasoning to do before he, uh, <laughs> you know, before he'll uh, arrive – you know, really arrive in IndyCar racing. Uh, you know, he's had some, he's had his ups and downs, some of the road course stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's a new exciting kid. The next batch to come along, he, he along with, with, uh, with the Herta kid, uh, you know, it'd be, it's, it's kind of, we're beginning to see a little bit of the changing of the guard, you know, that's going to replace the Dixons and the, and the Powers and, and, uh, and those guys. But yeah, like I said, um, I still think you know they gotta need to get some more races under their belts. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, I mean, I was speaking to his general mindset, just coming into it with the right attitude and not. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So you don't get you don't get there without having you know having having the wherewithal to to uh, to get it done. And you know, you you've been on somebody's radar to to put you in a put you in a top flight ride. So yeah, I just I'm just. Speaking of, of my personal view of, of the kid, but uh, like I said, you know, uh, they'll all they'll all come around, and then the more races they get under the belt, the better that better they get. But as far as the Indy 500, I thought it was an exceptional race. I I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was uh, great racing uh, throughout the pack. Uh, uh, you know, of course, we we did have some restarts there, and it kind of made it even more exciting because those guys really would try to make hay when they could on the restarts. And we saw some three and four wide racing uh, all around track, which uh, which made good. And of course, the finish was was terrific. So, and the crowd was absolutely fantastic. I tell you what, uh, that had to be one of the biggest. You know, we've seen great crowds at Indy, you know, building up over the last decade from you know when it kind of got a little lawfare. But boy, I think this year's crowd was was the biggest I've seen in, in some years. Yeah, I mean they obviously hit that hit that peak in 2016 with with a, with a full on sellout, but they have not had they've not had the drop off in the, in the no. three and, years. No, and, and you know when they scanned, which is yeah, which is great. When they scanned the crowd, you know, you didn't see. I think you know that showed the stands. The uh, I guess the the three there was a few empty seats there, but by and large, it was the place was when they showed the shot all around the track. It was pretty much a. a, a, a damn near a capacity crowd a lot of folks were there now seth you um wanted to talk about the uh the wreck and the red flag and i just before we get too far away from that subject i really do want you to uh, interject your thoughts on this well to be honest the uh, at least the ensuing caution and the wasting of laps as some people view it honestly it kind of felt like nascar a little bit um not that i'm bashing nascar at all it's just the execution was lacking or at least the way the broadcast showed it, it was lacking because sitting in the Charlotte or Speedway media center there to my knowledge, there was no mention that they were doing it to get to the point where the lap cars would be forced to go backwards. No, I didn't find that out till today. I mean, they did that. I, I actually had to uh, find the rule book where it says that after, if there's 15 to go, Less than 15 to go, they can move the cars back. So, so just you know, not that I'm knocking NASCAR or IndyCar or anyone in general. I just wish it came across on the broadcast. That being said, 
uh, one of the drivers involved in the wreck, Marcus Erickson. Uh, I have to thank the folks over at Motorsports Analytics for this. Uh, he had chosen fat-free milk if he were to have won the race. Uh, no one who has ever chosen that has won the Indy 500. And until this year, no one who had ever chosen that had ever finished the Indy 500. Okay, so stay With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Away from fat-free milk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, Indy, Indy's got a lot of a lot of Christians and traditions for sure. So and add that to the list. Yeah, add that to the list. So um, now, Richard, did you have another point before we move on? Because I want to actually talk about the. Um, the broadcast from NBC, just very briefly. I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> okay, well, if, if it comes around to you, we'll, we'll, we'll circle around. But, Seth, Seth, you guys, I was at the track. I haven't had a chance to see the TV broadcast yet. I did get to uh, uh, meet Dale Earnhardt Jr., and I did get to see Rutledge Wood as well, and Rutledge is always a fun guy. Uh, but uh, a lot of the comments I've read on the NBC coverage are, are split. You know, the, some folks thought it was great. Uh, but the thing that keeps coming back is, oh, too many commercials, too many commercials. I'm like, okay, you know what, newsflash, you're going to get a lot of commercials in a whole high-profile event. Watch the Super Bowl sometime and take notice to that, right? You know, so, but um, otherwise, commercials aside, how do you feel NBC did covering the event? I mean, they had a much longer pre-race show, much longer post-race show. They covered all of Carb Day. They were they were on the air Saturday. Um, any anybody that uh, that uh, paid attention to the TV coverage, jump on in and let's uh, have a quick discussion about that. Well, for what I saw for the TV coverage, uh, I think they did an excellent job, especially since it's their first year covering the Indianapolis 500. Uh, that being said, I understand where people are coming from that maybe said there were too many commercials, or like <laughs> I said, that I wish there was some more stuff conveyed through the broadcast but i've said that about nascar on fox i've said that about nascar on uh indycar or, or sorry uh, nascar on nbc and i've said that about f1 as well at times on espn so it, it's one of those where everyone is always working to improve and no one's perfect so the small little bits that maybe abc would have gotten right off the bat I can understand it being NBC's first year, and I'm willing to give them a pass, essentially, on it. Yeah, I think I think they did an exceptional job. I watched uh, I watched the entire broadcast. I thought they did a really good job. I've I've long thought Lee Diffie is is a good anchor uh, for for the broadcast. I thought he, I thought he did did a good job. I thought the uh, the uh, commentary uh, was good and insightful. I, I I thought Danica and Junior added to the uh, to the mix. Mike Tirico is kind of the, the every, every man thing. He's kind of like the Bob Costas. I mean, you can put, plug him in the masters, the Olympics, all that kind of stuff. I think he comes in, he comes in well-prepared. You know, he's not, he's not, uh, not been known as a, a racing uh, announcer or analyst or anything, but I, I thought, uh, and I, and I kind of wanted to see how he would come off because I like him when he does the Masters coverage and some of the other things. But I thought he was well prepared and knew his knew knew the topic and was able to uh, was able to do a good job there. Uh, overall, the only thing that kind of upset me about NBC's coverage is I, I didn't like that gold package that uh, that they wanted uh, the fans to buy. And of course, it started out at one price and I think they lowered it. I think Frank talked about that last week. They lowered the price of it, but I think that, you know, your premier event like that, uh, the Indy 500, uh, it would have been great if it had been kind of like the, it was in years past when you could just, you, you could tune in and get the get the streaming of practice and, and stuff uh, on a daily basis. It kind of kept you in the game the whole month of May. That's the only thing that kind of, that I didn't like <clears throat> too much uh, about the whole 
on NBC taking over for the for the for the 500. All right, good points, good points all around. Richard, did you have any any commentary about the uh, the broadcast team? I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was pretty slick. Uh, you know, as you expect, they're, they're not going to go in there and, and make complete idiots of themselves. Yeah, they've got a couple of things they need to improve upon, but um, I don't know what the uh, viewing figures were like compared to previous years, but I imagine uh, it would be pretty good. 11% up from last year. Well, there you go. Yep, there Jump you go. Them. Yeah, their, uh, their first year, they 11% increase. Yeah, the ratings were quite good the yeah. overnight, so uh, and the, the streaming numbers were really good, too. So that's all yeah. That's all good, positive stuff. I, I I did have an awkward point when I was watching the pre-race show, and uh, there's uh, obviously Dale Jr. sat there, and I'm, I'm looking at the three of the panelists, and I'm like, God, they could have at least got a former IndyCar driver up there, couldn't they? Oh, 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 yeah, Danica. Oops. <laughs> My bad. But... Um, what did yeah, you think of Danica? In the, I, I didn't get to I didn't get to listen to Danica a lot. Uh, and I'll one of these days I'll go ahead and watch my DVR recording. It's all I heard about how hideous um, her, her outfits were. But I mean, I'm not a fashionista, so that, that don't bother me. No, no, I must admit uh, I'm, it wasn't high on the list of uh, my priorities watching the coverage. But I'd, you need somebody that knows what they're talking about, and some of the I mean, obviously Dale and, and Danica will know each other from the NASCAR days, but some of the um, like back and forth, uh, you know, banter that you often get on these sort of shows was a little bit strained. You know, Dale's obviously, oh, so Danica, tell me what it's like to do, you know. And it's just like, eh, that was a bit cringeworthy. But again, they're just getting into it. Um, you know, you still have to wonder why Dale Earnhardt Jr. is there. I mean, I know he's the name. I know he attracts people to the sport. Is he going to become a you know, uh, um, is he going to go down that route where I know he did the Winter Olympics last year, I think it was, and you know, is he going to become a sports journalist? Hell, he did. Um, he did the Kentucky Derby a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so maybe that's the way he's going. But well, well I, you, you, you figure Fox ha- Fox has the first half of the year for NASCAR, right? Yeah. So they're they're right. they're using Dale as a year-round employee. And I think yep. I think he lands some nice stuff to. I watched him at Kentucky Derby. I thought he lent some nice stuff to there. It's just like it's almost like a, a bit of a fan perspective he, he lends. Right. Know? He comes no, across, no, yeah, but crosses every as an everyman. You know what not I'm saying? To, he relates well to uh, he re, he relates well to the to the average fan. And of course, I mean you know it's a marketing it's a marketing thing for NBC sports as well. And I understand it. You know it. it if he's a if he's a big draw and they see see good numbers when he's uh when he's on on screen yeah use him yeah go for it. Not to mention his podcast uh, with all the different people he's had on there. He's had everyone from NASCAR drivers to IndyCar drivers, NASCAR officials. Uh, I believe this week he's ha- going to have Stone Cold Steve Austin on there. So yeah. just I like <laughs> his interviewing as well. It's a wide range. Or at least you, you, you like guys will, movie. you guys will know how well it works or it doesn't work in in the U.S. with sports announcers. But are there many, you know, football players, for example, who are now, you know, will cover NASCAR and baseball and hockey and soccer and all these sort of things? I just, I almost think that they're, you know, and I know what you're saying about having that every man in there, but they had Matt Damon and um, uh, Christian Bale there. They're the every man, you know. It's almost a little bit. I mean, I know Dale probably knows more about IndyCar than he would the Kentucky Derby, for example, or Winter Olympics. You know, figure skating. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you're going to have this impartial, you know, fan on there, you probably want somebody who's not a sportsman. I, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Well, I mean, the, yeah. the, the dude needs the work. You know. Yeah, exactly. I don't it's know how well like his bar is doing. It's a draw for sure, yeah. Now I wanted to um, tell you my Dale Earnhardt's Jr. story, okay? Because like I said, I got a, I got a chance to run into Dale, and just I just think this story is a little funny because there's like a couple of neat twists in it, and it starts off. Did by, you get arrested? No, I did not, and neither did Dale okay, Jr. Okay. Yeah, no, good, good. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't have any stories that good, but uh, so the so the story goes like this, right? So. I, I, I'm down in the garage, and here comes the NBC guys walking with Dale Earnhardt Jr. I'm like, oh, gosh, that's Dale Earnhardt Jr. Almost didn't recognize him. He looks very gaunt in real life. 
And uh, so they're they're taking him to meet Simon Pagano, right? Simon and Dale start talking, right? And and Dale is kind of doing his, oh, I love what you guys do. I re- respect this. I can't believe the speed you, you drive, man. The, you know, this place is neat. The cars are cool. And, and Simon's just kind of listening, soaking it up. And then suddenly Simon is like looking. He's like, oh, my gosh, it's Damon Hill. Right? So, so, so Simon drops Dale Jr. mid-sentence like a hot potato and turns around and starts talking to Damon Hill. So that so that now Simon and Damon are talking. I can't quite hear what they're saying, but they're by, by their hand motions. Whether they're talking about cars drafting and, and that sort of thing there. Uh, so and then, in a moment of, of zen, there Simon realizes what he's just done to Dale Jr. Dale is standing here like, uh, uh, and then so they all kind of come together and, and post for pictures. Now the other person here uh, that was on the golf cart with Damon Hill is Donald Davison. Donald Davison is the um, historian for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He's, he's one of the most knowledgeable men you'll ever meet about anything that's happened at the Indy 500. Um, I mean, if you have a question about what happened to on the 50th lap of the 1912 race uh, for this car, Donald will tell you. Or if, if he can't tell you right there, he'll know exactly where to find it. So, so, then, they, so then they bring Donald in. They all take a bunch of pictures together. You know, actually, uh, you know, Damon Hill hands me his phone, says, here, would you take our picture for us? I'm like, okay. Uh, and, and I don't know if you'll, you'll notice, you'll see it on Damon Hill's Twitter, uh, the picture of uh, him with Simon doing a thumbs up. Yep, that was me, took that picture on Damon's phone. So, so that, that was there, that, that, that was I should have. I didn't think of that. So, yeah, so then now, now this is the next twist to the story, okay? So the next day... Uh, now Friday now, I, I'm, I'm walking right here to Donald Davison, right? So I started engaging Donald Davison in conversation. I said, I, I got to stand right there in that neat little exchange we had with Damon Hill and Simon and Dale Jr. You know, a lot of, um, you know, just race power, star power right there in one place. And Donald says, you know what the funny thing was? He says, Damon Hill had no flipping clue who Simon Pagano was either. So, so there you go. That's uh, wow. that's the story full circle. So, but it was fun. It was a neat moment to uh, to witness. So, um, any other 500 stuff we want to cover real quick? Uh, I mean, we've talked about Rossi, uh, Simon, Takuma. Great day for Takuma. He he. Uh, I think if we uh, yeah. hadn't had the lapse of yellow, he might have been right there in the mix. Uh, but again, you know, I I think the uh, the Chevy was just a little more a little more powerful than the Honda. But we are off to racing again right away in Detroit, uh, not once but twice. We race the Saturday, race it again Sunday. So if you guys like to make picks for Detroit, you get to pick two. Or you can pick the same guy twice if you think somebody's going to sweep. So, Gray, I'll start with you. Who do you like for Detroit? Oh, Detroit. Let's see. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to go with the man on the hot streak. I mean, you know, you got to go. Pagano, boy, I tell you, and if it if, – if it, any, any rain comes, I'm going to say he's a sure bet. But now I'm going to go with Pagano to win at least one uh, one of them. Okay, and so you want to go with uh, somebody else to win the second one? Or, or, you, or you, uh, you think Simon is going to sweep? Who can we get? Oh, let's see here for the second one. Uh, Dixon. Dixon. All right, good call there. So, Seth, who do you like for Detroit? Uh, I'm going to go with Hinchcliffe for one of them, and I think I'll go with Power for the other. Okay, two good picks. Hinch had a great Indy 500, by the way, too, almost unnoticed under the the radar. He charged from 32nd starting position to 11th at the end of the day. So Now, Richard, you are next. I'll go with Power and Rossi. Power to win the first one. So, Seth, you've got power to win the second one. Fair enough. Okay, so I, I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just trying to trying to, to remember all this, so I don't. So I, I'm gonna take Rossi to win the first one. Okay. I think Chilton's available. Chilton's, yeah. Well, Chilton's available, yeah. So, but I'll take Rossi to win the first one, and I'm gonna take Joseph Newgarden to win the second. And so, uh, I do have one question on this Detroit race. Yes, sir. I've watched it in the in the past few years. Do you not feel it's a bit of a letdown? 
so close to 500. You know, you've had the 500 for a month. And it's been yeah. a huge build-up, and it's this awesome event. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to Detroit. Whoa. You know, yeah, that, that's why... Like five people in the stands. That's... No, Detroit actually pulls a pretty good crowd. I know, they do, yeah. Yeah, but... And the, come, uh... But then it's also, it's like the home for Chevy and all this sort of stuff. You know, it's like... I always think they need to put either another week in there or have Detroit in another weekend when it, it can stand on its own. Because it's just eclipsed massively by the 500. Well, you see, the traditional race after the 500 for years and years and years was Milwaukee. You know, and Milwaukee, yep. was, and it was always well attended. But, you know, after the split years and whatnot, uh, in, in Milwaukee dropped off the radar. Uh, they had some problems with some promoters. They it, it The track almost closed in 2009. Mike Landretti yep. tried, tried to revive it. Still couldn't put folks in the stands. Um, Roger does a nice job promoting Detroit. Uh, as much as Eddie Gossage would love to have Texas the weekend after Indy, and he's been lobbying that for that for years, uh, you know what Roger wants, Roger gets, and and Roger promotes the uh, the race in Detroit, and there it will stay. Um, but but a lot of your folks that are huge fans of the 500 are not huge fans of road races, so it does, to your point, kind of really almost seem like 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 a letdown, especially those folks who who, who love the ovals, and there are yeah. t- tons of them. There are tons of them. So, but uh, and especially you know, I'm sure there could be a situation, you know. Some of these guys say watch the race last weekend, and they're like, oh, you know, and I'm picking the name off. Oh, Ed Carpenter, he was great. Yeah, I'm going to watch this weekend and see how he gets up. Oh, right, wait, what? Wait, wait, where's he gone? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, NASCAR used to do some, a similar thing. You know, when they would try to try to piggyback off the Daytona 500 to kind of help California, you know, kind of get, kind of give them a shot in the arm, you know, and send the cars out there right after the 500, hoping they could piggyback on that. And then they uh, did that with Atlanta as well, yeah. at least in and recent I, years. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I think, I think both Indy now and Daytona are, are, are two are big events unto themselves. And I don't, th- I think you get maybe a little bit of curiosity from TV, maybe a spike yeah. in ratings, but I mean, as far as, you know, fans are going to go to the race they want to go to. You know, oh, for sure. I, I, for obviously, sure. I don't think you're going to, you know, uh, I don't think you're going to see a spark like that. And too, time of the year and the weather and everything else has a has a big uh, big hand in. Oh, it of course, too. yeah. I know Detroit has a, a relatively small window, don't they? But but yeah. you know that Pagano is ninety percent of the questions Pagano will get asked this weekend is not going to be about the Detroit race. Okay. And probably same for Rossi and Will. But you know, the, the big guys. You know, they're going to be oh, asked yeah. about the five hundred. And, you know, I yeah, just th- think if you had if you had an extra week, it would give you some separation from the two. Yeah, and then you know the local media is going to, in all their B-roll and packages that, that, that they're going to do, it's all all the B-roll and stuff's going to come from, they'll they show a little bit of practice, but their interviews will show show footage from from uh, this past week's Indy 500. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. Well, it, just, yeah, it is what it, it is. I mean, yeah, and it's a, it's a tough turnaround for the winner because you figure they got to do that media tour, right? So like, like yeah. Pagano's up in up in New York City now. He'll be on you know several talk shows and everything else, uh, and, and photo ops and interviews and this and then, you know, by the time Thursday rolls around, it's time to head to Detroit, uh, and then then you're racing not once but twice. So, uh, I yeah. mean, we, we've Frank, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Speaking of Milwaukee, there there was a there was a a, a movement underfoot, you know, uh, several months back where they were trying to kind of revive that uh, uh, thing with uh, going back to Milwaukee. Where does that stand? What have you what have you heard lately with that? Well, they've got to, they've they, they've pretty much saved the track from being raised to the ground for the moment because right now the, the cost mm-hmm. of redeveloping the property is, is kind of prohibitive, but I think that's still in the back of the mind of the West Alice City, <coughs> West Alice Planning Council. But they, uh, they've they actually held a race there recently, uh, some club racing events, and they had a vintage race there. I think they call it the Millers at Milwaukee. Uh, but until a promoter willing to take a leap of faith um, jumps in there and promotes this thing right, I, I do not think you'll see the IndyCars return to Milwaukee. I do not think you'll see the NASCAR Xfinity Series or trucks return to Milwaukee. So 
mm-hmm. it's uh, like I say, you need a promoter to take a leap, a leap of faith. And I know the Xfinity promoter, the last promoted Xfinity at Milwaukee, uh, turned out to be a bit of a charlatan with the business dealings, which led the Xfinity series to start running at Road America. And, and I don't know that that still hasn't left a bad taste uh, in the uh, mouths of the NASCAR uh, folks for, for uh, running NASCAR at uh, still Milwaukee. Will... Yeah. Yeah, because they, 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 draw, they draw a great crowd in Road America. Yeah, NASCAR is still owed money from both Milwaukee and Circuit Jill Villeneuve. Let's talk about uh, your weekend, Seth. You, you were down in Charlotte. You went to the Hall of Fame uh, thing. You went to the 600. Um, so uh, how about you and Gray and Richard? Talk about the Coca-Cola 600 a little bit, because I, I honestly haven't had a chance to watch it yet after, you know, traveling home and getting unpacked and everything else. So uh, you guys have at it for a while. Let's talk about uh, NASCAR's weekend in Charlotte. Again, it was another great race. I thought the uh, thought the racing was really, really good. I mean, I thought it was, uh, uh, other than the cautions and stuff, but, but it was kind of a, when, when, when the green flag was out, it was kind of a fast-paced uh uh, 600. Um, it was uh, a lot of a uh, lot of racing throughout the field, up at the front and in the back. Um, kind of had different guys take charge at different times. And of course, Truex got strong there and, and ultimately prevailed uh, in the end. But uh, I thought it was pretty compelling uh, all night long. Tremendous crowd there for Charlotte uh, yeah. uh, race. Kind of a little bit of a revival. Uh, Even with the heat too. Yeah, it was yeah. The heat. I thought it was somewhat of a revival as far as the, the the crowd at Charlotte. It was it was really really good. I mean the the people at Charlotte NASCAR got to be really tickled with the uh, with the crowd that came. I think a lot of it, of course, you know people wanting to do some stuff on the on the weekend. The economy's pretty good right now, and 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 I think too that you know the the promise of some uh, some good racing that they've seen on some of the mile and a halves uh, brought a lot of people. And the TV figures were up as well, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. quite a significant amount on, as well, which was good to see. On yep. top, of, on top of that, you also had a handful of drivers who had trouble earlier in the race. Stenhouse, Busher, be able to work their way back up through the field. Mm-hmm. Stenhouse got his first top five on an intermediate track. Busher got yeah. his uh, best finish of the season, sixth. And <coughs> on top of that. Uh, Another win for the Astro Turf in the infield because that should have uh, completely destroyed both uh, Kurt Busch and Stenhouse when they went through. And how did no one hit Busch one back on track? So was it Harvick that sort of got within a yeah. cigarette paper's width, wasn't it? Yes. it was, uh, yes, that was pretty impressive. But uh, I mean, my sort of—I mean, I thought I thought it was a pretty good, um, uh, you know, good event. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. There's two interesting takeaways for it. At the start of the final stage, Truex comes on the radio and says, how many more laps have we got to go? <laughs> or what time is it? I think he asked. He says, what, uh, what time, time is, is it? it? Yeah. It's about 10.30. He's like, oh, boy, here we go. Yeah. And in, then um, in, in the media center, he uh, stopped at one of his answers mid-sentence because he glanced at his watch. He's like, is it really 10 minutes to one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, that... I wonder for TV if they need to bring it forward an hour. Because, you know, I mean, I was, I sort of watched the start of the race, you know, went to England, had dinner with my parents and came back and then got the end of the race. You know, it did seem to, did seem to drag on a little bit. I wonder if they need to bring it forward a little bit. So it's finishing at 9.30, 10 o'clock rather than 10.30, 11 o'clock. Um, and very to, well to, may. To show how, um, you know, long the races with these extra stages, the post-race NASCAR issue a sort of a one-sheet uh, point-standing updates, you know, result sheet. And there's no column for, se- for stage three. So that was brilliant. you got the stage one points and stage two points. Uh, no stage three. So I hope they, they, actually, they did, uh, they did I hope actually include them in the points. Uh, they did, did fix that later uh, on Monday, actually. Okay, because uh, I saw it Monday morning. Um, I was just glancing through it, and I noticed that did any given stage one, stage two points. It's like, oops. Uh, but they did fix that. Uh, also, it's the first time that Hendrick Motorsports had all four of their cars finish in the top ten since April 2016. They're the slowly time, getting better, aren't they? And it's the first time they've ever done it in the Coke 600. Yeah. Now, Hendrick has, you know, obviously they've had the critics, quite rightly. 
because of a team of their size should be doing better than they are and should be winning races on a more regular basis when you've got drivers of that caliber. But, you know, they're starting to chip away at it. You know, like earlier in the season, a bad race for Jimmy Johnson was he was running sort of 16th, 17th. Now he's, you know, top 10 reasonably regularly now, I think, isn't he? he they're starting to up the game, those guys. A couple of drivers also had some good runs that didn't finish in top 10. Uh, Corey LaJoy finished 12th. That's his best uh, finish on a non-super speedway track. David Reagan was in the top 10 for most of the race. Uh, they The team gambled and stayed out on old tires on the, under the last caution. Uh, there's a funny moment when Martin Tripps Jr.'s father asked David Reagan if he would drop back. They didn't mean to the back of the pack. They meant drop back so Truex could push. And uh, Reagan answered on the radio, oh, hell no. Uh, Another driver who should have had a good run based on his speed was Bubba Wallace. Uh, He was the fastest car on track for the last uh, 20, 30 laps. However... He was five laps down. He was involved in a wreck early in the race and lost two laps during the repairs, then lost another three laps when the window net came down. So that was just a little bit of bad luck for his team. Yeah, but he but he ran really good at the, the two weeks at Charlotte that, that, that they were there. He did that. The team showed a little bit of spark. And speaking of spark, uh, a couple of drivers left some on the track. Uh, Austin Dillon, Kyle Larson with some pretty hard hits, as well mm-hmm. as Cody Ware uh, in that Rick Ware car. I I do want to say Rick Ware's cars probably had the best paint schemes uh, in the Cup Series this past weekend. They were all painted up like former uh, fighter planes or mm-hmm. the SR-71 yeah. Blackbird. Uh, nice to see the creativity they came up with. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh... Jeffrey Earnhardt's livery there, I believe, for the uh, yes. ex, for the I, Xfinity race, he, I, he carried the livery for the uh, for the I, fallen for Mooresville. Uh, uh, yes, uh, for the fallen Mooresville police officer. I was just about to get to that. Uh, the Xfinity series was also in action. Tyler Reddick won that scorcher. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt got his first top five ever in NASCAR in the top three series. That is uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt's sponsor, IK9 donated the placement on the hood and on the quarter panels to uh, fallen Mooresville Police Department officer uh, Joseph uh, Jordan Sheldon. Uh, Jordan Sheldon uh, trained with IK9. Uh, his dog, Ramon, was an IK9 dog. Uh, officer Sheldon often did a lot of the security at uh, the various events around town when NASCAR was in town especially for a Tory Racing Enterprises, Memory Lane Museum, and even uh, the North Carolina Motorsports Hall of Fame. Uh, I actually do have a story about Officer Sheldon that I'll tell in a little bit, but Justin Haley also got his first career top five in the Xfinity Series. He finished fifth, and that was without a tachometer, so he had no way of telling his pit road speed. That was uh, lucky, I would say. You know, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement about the uh, Xfinity race here. I'm still baffled about NASCAR letting the Xfinity the the, the the attendance for the for the Xfinity race on Saturday was woeful. Uh, there's a big crowd in Charlotte, big big crowd in town for that, but people choose not to go, even with all the deals and stuff and the and the incentives that are out there to go to the Xfinity races, people still choose not to go. And I'm, I'm, um, I'm a, a mind that NASCAR's deal with not uh, prohibiting or limiting the uh, participation by the cup drivers is hurting that series, hurting the on track, hurting I the attendance. I, I, I really do. I believe it does because – you, you've got a field of, of guys that, and I've said this before, there, there's no, there's not much star power in it. It really isn't. But you've got, you, yeah, you got Christopher Bell and you've got Reddick and a, and a few and, and just a handful of guys. But other than that, from there on back, it's it, it's it's nothing. It's it's, it's so, really, you know what I'm saying? I just don't. Oh yeah, I, 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 I need to spice it up. I Here's an idea. Saying. 
here's an idea very quickly. Just say, hey, if you buy a Sunday pass for the race, you can go on Saturday for free. You'll, you know, you're not going to lose money because the majority of people that go on Saturday will be going on Sunday. I think it's I think it's well, I mean, you know the, the track will make money with concessions and, exactly. and concessions yeah. parking and such if you if you throw in that's not a bad idea Richard the other idea I thought was why not make the double headers especially with that Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte race so, with such well, the Tokyo late late will start have that double header next year know what I mean uh, X, Xfinity in the afternoon and then the NASCAR for yeah. the night race and, and just yeah. come up with, I mean, uh, with that late, I'm sure your Xfinity is going to compete against the Indy 500, um, but, uh, you know, that's for folks watching on TV, not for folks yeah. in the stands. So if you were to, to, to still, both, yeah, most still, folks get, get to the track kind of early on anyway. The fans part. Yeah, oh, I, for I sure. I that's apathy on the fans because they complained that there were cup drivers in the field. Well, you got, so you they got, took the cup drivers out of the field. Now they're complaining that there's no cup drivers in the field. Exactly. You got it. You got two factions. You got a factions that loved it when the cup guys are in, came to see the cup drivers in there, and then you had another faction that wanted that wanted to complain. So, I think I think you got to kind of you got to see which side a, which side the scale. Here's a question tip. for you. Then here's a question for you. Why why do people watch racing? Yes, a certain percentage that will watch it for the superstars, the Kyle Bushes, the Brad Kozlowski's, you know, the Chase Elliott's guys like that. Or do they watch it for the close, tight racing, which you tend to get more when those guys aren't there. At the end of the day, it's not like it's a a soccer player or a tennis player yeah. or a baseball player where you can see the guy. You can have yeah. any idiot in the car. You right. don't know who it is. But you know, so all you're doing is watching cars drive around. No. I think the issue is people, if the racing was better, people would go. And I personally yeah. don't think watching Kyle Busch waltz off into the distance is good racing. And yeah. I, he can't, I, at the end of the day, can't blame the guy because well, here's, he's a fantastic driver. And he's always going to have the best equipment at that level. Here's what NASCAR did, did years ago and, and, and started going, going to this. We used to used to there was a lot of different factions to go to race. There was there was the guys, the Chevy fans, the Mopar fans, the Ford fans went went in mass because they were going because they were car guys. NASCAR over the years and it, and of course it's nobody's fault because the automotive industry has changed. The cars now lack more identity than they used to have and that kind of thing. So when that kind of happened, NASCAR went into marketing the drivers more than the cars. The personalities and things like that, and that's what's kind of, you know, they try to do the same thing with uh, with the Xfinity series. You know, if you look at the ads on 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 TV, they're saying, well, you, they, you make your name here and that kind yeah. of stuff. But then they show these guys out there, they show the guys, and you and you know they haven't made a name, and so nobody recognizes them. Uh, other than Christopher but, Bell and the it, ones who have exactly. made a name, they leave out like Tyler. Yeah. Bell. Uh, so here's, but here's, here's a, one way of looking at it. You know, and you guys probably know more than this than I do. Do you think that the Xfinity attendances have dropped in the last 15, 20 years? Oh, yes. I, I so, well, yeah, okay, so without a doubt. Overall, I'd so say you overall, go back, yes, but there are a couple of tracks that are outliers. Sure, sure. But if you go back 15 years ago, who are the two big names in the sport? Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. Neither of them ever drove an Xfinity race. Right, but you so still do had, you need those guys? Oh, they did one or two. Yeah, but you still, but 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 you still had a good field of uh, of uh, Cup drivers in the Xfinity races. Oh, you had Keselowski. You had uh, you go back. Kenseth drove a lot. Mark Martin drove drove tons of them. Uh, uh, but also uh, at that same time. It's been around the what the last 10, 15 years. That's what you said, uh, yeah. Richard. About that time, you also had a major influx of teams that would just start in park as well. I sure. vividly remember there was a race at Charlotte. I want to say two thousand nine, in which after uh, fifteen laps, yeah, eleven cars had already parked. Yeah, and, and yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't have that. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I hundred percent agree with that. But, so um, yeah, there, there's I, I a lot of factors. If you make the racing better, there. nobody, nobody would miss 
Kyle Busch not being there. Nobody would miss Kyle Larson not one, being there. One more thing I do want to mention about the Xfinity race. Uh, Austin Dillon was running the Xfinity race. Uh, he bounced off the wall, knocked in the crush panel, and with the heat and the fumes, uh, he was getting exhausted. He actually suffered some minor burns. Uh, they pulled him out of the car, call it racing, and they put Daniel Hemrick in, the other Richard Childress racing driver. Yeah, but you know, def- I, don't, I don't understand why they risked yeah. the other Childress driver. I don't, because... I, I'm with you on that. And it's, here, here's... What's, uh, what's, what's Austin's surname? Do I yeah, know? There we go. It was the 10, the 10 car. <laughs> Sorry. You know, just putting it out there. I don't know. But maybe the sponsorship thing. Maybe, well, you know, but, from colleague, they get a certain, you know, if they retire the, a car, the, they lose a cut of the sponsorship. The, my main issue with it is they sent Hemrick back out for 10 laps. Yeah, and it wasn't. The, the, car, had already, the car had already uh, uh, made the DVP, the damage vehicle policy. It already cleared that. Then they had him come back in under a caution into the garage to make repairs and then send back out. Yeah, and then and then they went back out with, with just a handful of laps left. I mean, it was less than fifty laps to go, and there was no one for him to pass. Yeah, why? Why do I, I? I'm with you. I thought that was kind of kind of crazy too. Unless they just wanted to give give Hemrick seat time. That's the only thing. In a broken car and yeah, in a in a broken car that four hundred degrees of oxide fumes. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a weird deal. I, uh, and, and, of course, I tell you, not I, only that, the TV broadcasters uh, uh, expressed their uh, uh, astonishment. Well. astonishment yeah. You see, I'm, I'm a, a big believer that they should have, similar to what they have in Formula One, where they have the uh, impact sensor. You know, they have telemetry from these cars back to NASCAR anyway, not so much the teams now. But they should have carbon monoxide sensors in those cars. And when it gets above a certain level, pop cut. You know, oh, for sure, yeah. at just... some point, you know, remember when, uh, was it Casey Kane? Was it last year when he was at LFR, had heat exhaustion? There yes. was rumors that that was carbon monoxide poisoning because heat exhaustion can be very, very bad, but it uh, doesn't take it, six months to recover from. Or another driver uh, that comes to mind, Harry Gant, way back when, yeah. uh, you know, this is, yeah, he this actually is... had to retire because of carbon monoxide yeah. poisoning. And uh, I mean, you Rick Mast probably as remembers well. this. So so guys, yeah. fellas, fellas, I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to stop you. I hate to do it. Okay, because we need to leave a little time for Formula One. And this is a great heated discussion we're having, but um <laughs> we just kinda need to wrap this up. And we're off to Pocono next, the tricky triangle. What turn four? And Seth, who do you like for Pocono? Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman. <laughs> That's a bold There's choice. two races, right? It's one race. The next year is when next it's, year's uh, two, isn't next it? Next year's two. Okay. Right, right. So, Greg, Greg, who do you like for Pocono? Well, um, Alex Bowman's a good pick because I picked him to, to uh, prevail at Charlotte uh, this weekend. We kind of had a feeling he might get it. Uh, fourth time would be the charm. But, um, <laughs> oh, let's see. Gosh, uh, I'm trying to think who would, who's going to be a good good guy up there. Um, oh, let's go with uh, – oh, let's see. Logano. All right. Good pick, Logano. Now, Richard? Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. And I'm going to take Denny Hamlin. Um, Denny Hamlin is yeah, – Denny Hamlin's got him around Pocono well in the past. He sure has. He's got a couple of wins huh? there, so – now, Richard, yep. since, since I've got your full attention, oh boy, Monaco this weekend. Um, yep. uh, another Mercedes. Was it, was it another Mercedes one two? No, it's a Mercedes no. one three. So people that say Formula One is boring. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, look at that. Yeah. Mixing it up a little yeah. bit. Okay, who, who did take oh, second? Yeah. Who did take second place? I'm sorry, I was too busy in the. Uh, Okay, uh, all right. Um, so, so Verstappen took it on the road, but Vettel was promoted after a penalty. Okay, so uh, fill us in. So, uh, incredibly tight qualifying between Bottas and uh, and Hamilton at a track which, in the hybrid era, has typically been Mercedes bogey track. Um, they were separated by less than a tenth of a second, trading lap records back and forth. 
um, almost almost under the one minute ten mark, which is about two minutes faster than the very first pole lap time from uh, Monaco in 1929. Um, but it's, it's a typical Monaco race. Track position is king, more so than anywhere else on the Formula One calendar. Um, you had a scenario where uh, you know there's a pretty clean start there. Uh, everybody got away uh, as you'd expect. There was no major incidents in the first first couple of corners. Um, and then there was a uh, I believe there was a safety car period after uh, Charles Leclerc um, shredded the tyre because he'd unfortunately Ferrari again as we talked about on the show didn't execute properly and uh, Charles Leclerc was knocked out in Q1. So he was fighting his way through the back. Made a couple of great moves early in the race and then. Probably got a little bit optimistic, got a rear-right puncture and shredded his floor, so there was carbon fibre all over the track. So the safety car came out, and a lot of the leading cars pitted because they had a big enough gap uh, by that stage for the race, so they wouldn't lose too much, you know, they wouldn't lose track position. Uh, Hamilton went onto the medium tyre, Vettel and Verstappen went onto the hard tyre, Bottas went onto the medium tyre, so Mercedes made the medium tyre corner for, I think, 60 laps they needed to do and Pirelli rated them for 45 or 50 laps so they were looking to push it probably expecting everybody else to go into the medium tyre as well uh, exiting the pits Verstappen and Bottas got very very close to each other in fact they touched uh, Bottas went into the wall had a right rear puncture so he had to cycle back through the pits again but maintained fourth position on the track and Verstappen was subsequently given a five second penalty but he was second on the road behind Hamilton now, after 20 laps in the, in the, in the stint, you could see that um, Hamilton's front tyres were blistering very, very badly. The front left was uh, looking very angry, uh, whereas Verstappen's were pretty clean. Now, you, and you'd expect that from the harder, more durable tyre. And unfortunately, old Lewis was on the radio and he was bleating like you could never imagine. You know, oh, guys, you put me on the wrong tyre. I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm going to have to pit. I'm going to have to pit now a few years ago something similar happened and Mercedes did pit him and he, he didn't win the race uh, if you can keep the car on the black stuff around Monaco you could be as Daniel Ricciardo showed last year when he lost his hybrid system five seconds a lap off the pace but you can't get past him and uh, you know Hamilton in all fairness dug Mercedes out of the hole there that's their first strategy mistake I think they've made of the year um, putting those two cars on the medium tyre uh, so if it had been anywhere else uh, yeah, Hamilton would have had to pit because people would have been able to pass him and um, you know, he'd have had to sort of drive from the, from the middle of the pack but it was uh, you know, another win for Mercedes uh, you know, Vettel got the second after, uh, after Verstappen's penalty Bottas was moved up to third so Verstappen finished fourth um, you know, it, it's Monaco you, you don't go there for the intense uh, you know, on-track action you go there to fully appreciate the um, skill of the driver and you know to watch them go around the swimming pool those left right right flicks it's just mesmerizing I mean how anybody can do that at that speed with that precision and that repeatability is just unimaginable it was incredible um so, yeah, yeah Monaco's, all, yeah, all, Monaco's know, always been one of my favorites to watch you know from back when I remember yeah. I, I first started watching in the 70s and I remember ABC. Yeah, did, ABC did an in-car uh, with uh, you know an early in-car camera with uh, actually they had yeah. Jackie Stewart taking laps around Monaco with the giant that was it, yeah. camera over his helmet and um, just just to yeah. have a look at that is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So, All right, oh, so where it is. where it is. and to, to sort of go ahead. Sorry. Oh no. So I mean, it, it is. It's a unique track, and as I say, yeah, people do you know criticize it because of lack of action, but. You know, you, you, the history of the place, the the just sheer commitment. It shows more than any other track. I mean, you just cannot make mistakes around there. And uh, it's fantastic to watch. Um, so in in two weeks' time, we're back over this side of the pond um, in, uh, in Montreal, Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, which is personally one of my favourite tracks out there. I think it's a great track, great racing around there. A couple of really good passing opportunities. Um and uh, yeah, again, it's probably going to Mercedes domination. You know, they've really checked all the boxes this year on their car. And uh, you know, again, we, as I said earlier, we, we've talked about this numerous times on the show. The, the level of performance gain that you can get out of these cars is so minimalistic now because they're so advanced. It's the um, 
it's it's the little areas it's the preparation it's the performance it's the strategy it's the teamwork it's the planning it's you know you look how mercedes double stacked their cars at china and then i think toro rosso double stacked them in spain and toro rosso were like an octopus stuck in a tree um try and imagine an octopus stuck in a tree you'll know what i mean yeah that's really uh, funny yeah <laughs> so so you know, it, it, it's these little things. This is where Mercedes have really upped their game on making sure. Now, they admittedly made a mistake with uh, Hamilton and Bottas's tyre choice, but but uh, Hamilton, you know, dug them out of a hole there. So full credit to the guy. Um, so yeah, you know, it's the pressure not making mistakes. And Ferrari, you know, they've made too many mistakes this year. I mean, Vettel crashed in practice at Monaco. You know, Claire crashed at uh, Baku. Just little things, you know, missing out on, you know, two or three spots on the grid just by silly mistakes. You, you can't do that. You know, obviously, the Claire issues at, um, and Vettel's issues in Bahrain. You know, it's these little things which uh, is costing Ferrari. And you've got to give credit to Mercedes. They're checking those boxes and executing perfectly every week. Yeah, you cannot, uh, you know, downplay uh, Mercedes professionalism. So, But we are at a so, time, so we'll... No. Uh, we are out of time for the night, so we'll, we'll make picks for uh, Montreal next week since the Formula 1 has a week off. Yep. Um, in the meantime, I want to thank you, Richard, for your Formula 1 report. Thank you, Gray. Thank you, Seth. I want to thank uh, iHeartRadio. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network and Spreaker. And I want to thank all you folks that tune in and, and listen to us week in and week out. Until then, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.